this is Jason Klom. I'm the host of the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. We've been doing the show since 2011. Thank you for listening. If you're new to the show, which I assume you are, or if you're just going back to one of this, one of the first... Hi, this is Jason Klom. I'm the host of the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. We've been doing the show since 2011. Thank you for listening. If you're new to the show, which I assume you are, or if you're just going back to one of this, one of the first two episodes of the show, um, you're going to be a little thrown off. And that's because we originally thought the concept of the show should be that we talk while we play the records. I have no idea what we were thinking. Uh, we're not the first podcast to make this mistake and then correct it when it comes to certain types of media. But I do notice that a lot of people in the last uh, few months, especially as our audience has grown, have started to listen uh, to these episodes, um, either going back again or starting from episode one and not quite knowing what they're getting themselves into. So I just want to give you a heads up. The next hour or so is us talking over a comedy album, and it's clunky. It, it That's at best. Uh, you know what? I would even recommend just go ahead, skip to episode three, that we always cover these albums again because we get different people's perspectives on them. You can listen to these. Go right ahead. But this fair warning that it's a very, very strange format and something that we're not going to do again uh, unless we're trying to abuse ourselves. So, yeah, well, thank you for very much for listening. Uh, enjoy uh, our many other episodes. And, um, yeah, if you listen to this one, I hope you can manage to enjoy it. Thanks. Women can't drive. Let's face it. Right? Am I right, fellas? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Accidents. This is Comedy on Vinyl, this is Jason Klom, and this week we are doing uh, The Button-Down Mind of Bob Newhart from 1960. With me is Dan Gomiller, Ari Jarvis, Hello. And, and, and recorder contributor with a very sore voice, Mike Warden. Hello. That's, that's very good. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Bob Newhart's one of my favorite comedians. And me too. Yes, it's also Ari's. Dan? I enjoy him thoroughly. All right. This <laughs> Although is going I didn't to be learn a... about him, like I didn't really hear him until you started playing me some stuff. Uh huh. So I hadn't really heard him before. Did I play you records? What did I do? No, you uh, you acquired some MP3s. Ah, I acquired some MP3s. That's a very, very PC uh, way of putting very it. PC way of putting <laughs> it. Yes. So um, yeah, we just realized though that the three of us don't really know this album as well as we know his other stuff, like the. Uh, uh, Somebody help me out. The uh, uh huh. The, the Sir Walter Raleigh bit. Yes, the complete button down line. Um, but this is his first album. We'll just start. I'll, I'm going to start this up. This is called a, a headset, and it's used by um, telephone operators, but it's also used by. Uh, TV directors and through it they talk to their crew and they also listen to the crew now in a TV studio they have a series of TV cameras which the director watches they also have what's known as a camera run through start this on, on this side is two where I started yeah. the record on <laughs> side two and uh, this is uh, and iron the bugs this out is, uh, this, uh, this was especially true of the with vinyl. <laughs> for the CD oh, generation nothing about Abraham Lincoln on that bit <laughs> <laughs> alright Again. Right now, ladies and gentlemen, Bob Newhart. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, many of you may have read The Hidden Persuaders. It's about advertising. And one of the points the book made was that the real danger of the public relations man or the advertising man was that they were creating images. Basically, Bob Newhart was performing these bits at house parties, at friends' houses. One of them recorded it. It made its way up to a producer's house at Warner Brothers. This Warner Brothers producer called up Bob Newhart and said, uh, so, I want to come to your next live show and record it, see if we can make a record. And he didn't do any live shows. He was a certified public accountant at the time. And so he sets one up in Houston, and they record it like two weeks later, and it becomes the biggest selling album of the year. Something like that. That's so, pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't know. This 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 kind of uh, comedy I don't think you can do anymore because now it's considered too quaint. It's, that's, I think that's ridiculous, too, though, because I just love the, the sort of abstract. It's, he 
takes advantage of the audience's imagination as opposed to, well, as opposed to miming, like, fucking someone from behind, which is a common thing with, I don't know, like, dirty stand-up. And uh, I was uh, having sexual intercourse. Well, uh, here's, here's what I think would have happened if John F. Kennedy were to be having sexual intercourse with uh, Khrushchev. No, but he's, and uh, would have gone a little something uh, like this. Uh, no, because Bob Newhart would have been... Ah! Bob Newhart would have done it like JFK is calling up who's Marilyn Monroe's um, husband. Joe DiMaggio. Yeah, right. <laughs> and trying to avoid. Uh, that's true. Uh, hey, hey, hey there, Joe. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you had a good evening? Oh, that's good, that's good. You sitting down? All right, that's good. Um, yeah. I'm surprised you can, Joe. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh. That's why I, I love him. It's like he... It's a very se- 60s humor, though. Sure. Like, I mean, we don't... I don't know, I feel like uh, uh, audiences are much more jaded now. Sure, sure. And they want to hear anger, they want to hear this, they want to hear Pushing this. the envelope, which technically he was, though. Sure. Like, some of his stand-up where he's talking about his wife and his cats, there's one sketch he has where he's talking about getting his cat fixed, mm-hmm. and it's like, he makes so many, you know, allusions to, you know, male, like, human genitalia, and right. it's like, you know, if he mess, if you mess with that, I would act the same way, and, you right. know, it's, he is pushing the envelope for the time. Sure, sure, oh, I mean, now we're so... Yeah. People don't get it that you can push the envelope themo- thematically, which is not a word. <laughs> I just push the envelope and how you can pronounce thematically. Um, you can push the envelope thematically, but you don't have to do it necessarily with your language, quote unquote. Which, right. Or you can do it with language, the way George Carlin did. You just don't have to be an asshole about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm really I'm old fashioned too when it comes to comedy. I don't I don't swearing is not going to impress me. You just have to do something with it. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that noise. I'm going to be curious to hear like you know people I work with Uh that like comedy what they would think of this album. Mm -hmm. Like would they understand it? I'm sure they would laugh. Sure. I think they would be a little confused at first. Mm -hmm. And there's something about Bob Newhart where it seems like this sort of comedy, it it lends itself so well to just audio. Right. But when you do see him just standing up there talking on an invisible phone, Uh it's hilarious. It adds something. That's so true. I've never seen any of him. I've just seen, like, uh, clips. Yeah. I, I've, yeah, me too. And I think I might have seen him on like Ed Sullivan or something like that. But that's that's about it. Um, you were talking about how he got discovered. Mm-hmm. I find that because I read half of his autobiography. Uh-huh. It's amazing. I just think I got distracted doing something else. But um, sure, like you do. He is an a notorious slacker. Sure. He lived with his parents at this point. Yeah, like, even so years after he was touring, he just hey, lived with his parents. And he just, he didn't want to do anything. That's why he became an accountant. He had no aspirations. And he was, like, kind of pushed to do something. Yeah. And he was like, oh, right. <laughs> He's just, uh, I, I think that's perfect how he was discovered from yeah. somebody else. Did these bits come from improv then? Since I haven't read that book, I've just been reading the Smothers Brothers book that mentions a bunch about him. But <laughs> did he do it all from improv, or did he write them, or was he just, like, drunk like, at a party? No, he, like, he's always been funny. Right. And, like, I think he just, like, started with just going to open mic stuff. And, like, I don't know. He, I think he, it, he seemed kind of like a closet comedian yeah like he wasn't ashamed of it he right. just he i think what happened he didn't want to make it a big deal because people would make him do stuff sure <laughs> he didn't want to actually perform and travel and everything he just right. you know it was fun it's weird for for this like just because from what i've been reading in the book just getting a reminder of how much like the smothers brothers broke ground and i'm talking about it so much we are going to do that next week i think uh next podcast but like they broke so much ground Eventually, it took them so long to really get to where they were. But he, he again was like, he broke records, like literally. And did oh, hold on, sorry. Yeah, we're at the, uh, yeah, we're in the middle of a track, so we didn't really. It doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, so I'm sorry. That was really exciting for everybody at home. But um, where was I? Yeah, he he broke records because he was actually in the top ten with a comedy album, and nobody had done that. And then that's when people started to see the potential, and uh, the book's pointing out that uh, folk music, that the, that, the popularity of that was coming to a head, 
comedy had proven that it could, you know, be big, and so the Smothers Brothers sort of rode both waves so they could do really well. But I don't know. It's just. That a guy that wasn't necessarily uh, a, a radical, it could still make it to the top at that time. I don't know. I don't know if that's. He wasn't at all because he was also like he was a CPA for the military. Was he really? When he was in, I think it was Korea. But he never left the states. He right. Was, and it was so funny because he would like they would go like to California. Mm-hmm. Him and these two other guys that they all worked together. And they'd just stay in the hotel, and uh, they wouldn't do any work at all. Funny. And then they would just, you know, get room service and stuff and just feed off the government. That's and then they'd be like, well, I, I guess they were discovered at one point. Uh, <laughs> it's like, where, where's Bob from? Chicago. He's from yep, Chicago, Chicago originally. So, yep. Was he part of that? Because 50s was... Why don't you take another was the, 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 the Second City started in 61 or 62. Right, and then Nichols and May, I think, were both. Yeah, you know, yeah. So. I just didn't know if he was part of it. He wasn't really part of anything at all. He was of his own mind. You know, he did his own thing, and then all of a sudden got sucked into all this uh, other comedy and ends up doing sitcoms and stuff. Although I don't know what he was doing between this and the sitcom, unless it was just stand-up and touring. The whole time, they I have no idea. About, uh, which is, two weeks ago, you know, sleeping on his parents' couch. Sleeping on his parents' couch. That's right. Which went around the um, but years. yeah, uh, did you? Uh, my first memory of Bob Newhart. Well, my first memory of Bob Newhart obviously is watching Newhart because I grew up watching that show all the time. Um, but I, whenever I, I hear this, I think of the movie Heart and Souls, which makes me probably makes me gay. But I love that movie uh, where his son's playing him very briefly in the Purple Onion. I don't remember though. Wait, is that because of Charles Grodin's character? Why are they in the Purple Onion yeah, back in the fifties? Charles so. Grodin's character is like a performer, right? Uh, yeah. And he's talking to somebody. Yeah, I always thought that was cool. Oh no, no, the Kira uh, Sedgwick is a waitress. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's right. Okay, watch Heart and Souls, kids. It's a great movie. It's Robert Downey Jr.'s shining moment. It is his greatest film, right? Absolutely. Yep. Chaplin, <laughs> Iron Man, <laughs> Heart and Souls. Heart and Souls. I don't know why they didn't get like five to eight Academy Awards. Five to eight. <laughs> I'm glad you could Johnny spread. Was good. Johnny B. Good. Yeah. That's not a five for eight. Any award movie like, like Heart and Souls. What about Charles Grodin? But the fact that it's hard to get off on a, on a Robert Downey Jr. but the fact that he played like, man, I'm not gonna the dork to the Anthony Michael Hall's jock. He was the very wow. Oh, Al. Um. I casting indeed. Dan, when's the first? Yeah, Ari, you go. I'll go. Go. My first Bob Newhart experience. Ooh, yes. Bernard in uh, The Rescuers. Oh, yeah, that's right. Good oh, call. my God, I had the biggest crush on him. <laughs> Apparently, I, that's when I knew I was And now the world nebbish. is going to discover what Aerie's into. She's into cartoon animals. Nebbish cartoon animals. Nebbish cartoon animals. <laughs> Holy shit. That's amazing. How does a guy make a career out of stammering, though? That's like, I mean, this is funny, but, like, the personality behind it, as all comedy, what is, is what is what uh, salt really is about Bob <laughs> Newhart. <laughs> That's crazy. Just pretend you're on stammering. the telephone. <laughs> um, hello, hello, Hitler. Uh, yeah, yeah, Adolf? Yeah, yeah, this is the king. Uh, yeah, so, um, I don't know, I got nothing, but... Well, the first thing I heard was the tobacco one. <laughs> tobacco one's amazing. All about because from, I know, from what I recall my grandma Windsor saying is that I'm distantly related to Sir Walter Raleigh, so I think that's why you played it for me. Oh, okay, and that's why you're, you're insulted every time you hear it and you get angry. <laughs> yeah. Bob Newhart! Newhart! Dan has a vendetta. Love it. So when are you going to kill him? Next time I see him. Uh, oh, the right. tubes, uh, that's, that's that's better. I've got a plan that's been in the works for like 20 years now. Maybe kids our age do not, wouldn't understand this humor I mean, because they don't have imagination. I think that that's, that's what my brain looks like most of the time. <laughs> we're, we're just, we're just damn really? I know the submarine is up there. There's definitely <laughs> On the back of the L. <laughs> <A> baseball <laughs> <laughs> and punching bags. So that would be your brain. A, and I, Oh, I thought that was a chart. 
it was kind of a chart. It's a chart it's with a, an airplane. It's a chart with an airplane. It's humorous. There's the visual part of The album, of course, being called I'll the button. I'll show it to the microphone. <laughs> Take a look. Does that look good? That, okay, so it's called the button-down mind of Bob Newhart. The back of it is a, a profile of Bob Newhart. His brain area has been vivisected into uh, very coarsely drawn uh, sections about Abraham Lincoln, which is on this, of course. We just listened to. We didn't listen to it, but it was there. Submarine, a baseball, a, a chart. It's a chart. What's, what's the airplane? Oh no, that's airplane because he's an airplane guy at one point. Right, he's a, yeah, sure. marketing for the right brother. Yeah. Oh right. That's on. Okay. And then there's a car horn and then a welcome mat, which is related to the welcome mat salesman, which is not on here. And doesn't exist, um, but uh, <laughs> I think it would have gone a little something. All right, um, let's see. Yeah. Um, okay, so do we have a, of his three favorite shows, I know Bob's my favorite. Um, <laughs> Elf. And that's not true. Elf? That's your favorite show? Yes. That's your favorite Bob Newhart show? Oh, poor Eric. Elf Newhart. Elf Newhart. That is not a show. Newhart show. I like the first one. I don't ever know which is which. I assume Newhart's the second one. Newhart's the second one. The Vermont one. The first one, yeah, is probably a much better show. Bob I know Newhart it by show. the wives. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. Actually, I heard the track stop this time, so we'll, we'll give it a second. Good job. And uh, uh, we're on the last track. Um, the best one! The, the, yeah. The last track being the third one. Right. right. <laughs> um, so Merchandising the Wright Brothers is next. Um... That's the Since second none of us know this heard. album, oh, that is the second one you ever heard. All right, well then we'll actually give this one a listen for a second, Woo! and then, uh, and then. Uh... Um, I got thinking about inventions. Now, inventions today are handled entirely different than they were, say, a hundred years ago. They set up new product corporations, they have sales promotion firm, and they look at the invention in a business-like way. And this got me to thinking: supposing the Wright brothers had gone to a new product corporation to market their new invention called the aeroplane. I think if they had, a guy from the sales promotion firm would have talked to him on the phone, something like this. Uh, hello, uh, who is this, Orville? Where's, where's Willard? Uh, Wilbur, I'm sorry. I, and he'll be on uh, late at the bicycle shop all week, huh? Uh, listen, uh, I talked to the guys here at the office, and we're real excited about this thing. Uh, we really think you got something. Well, uh, we, we got a couple questions. Um, I, th I think you pretty much agree with us uh, that the only way to make any loot on it is, is, to, is to start booking passengers as soon as possible. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, uh, we may pick up a little on the baggage gimmick. So, this is the second one you ever heard? So I stole this MP3 too? Yeah. And played this for you? You acquired. I acquired the MP3 and played it for you. I, I think I'd, I... I think in every one he does this every time where if no matter what historical figure he does I mean he's being irreverent which is like that was the key then to sort of like exactly appreciative yeah but like every time he does it he makes sure and twists their name into something much more conversational yeah that's Walt for Walt Walter Raleigh yeah and I, I don't know that's 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 the key to the whole thing baby baby that's right I one of my favorite parts of his is because I always think about how you're talking about Bob Newhart's favorite her favorite parts of Bob Newhart. Go ahead, I'm sorry. The butt. No. <laughs> um, the I because I'm a writer, so I try and get as honest dialogue as possible when I write. And at first, it bothered the crap out of me that he. Would repeats whatever they had said, right? And it took me a long time until that became just funny to me, right? And that adds a layer to the joke where it's like, you know, he would have had to say, like, when you talk on the phone, you don't, you don't repeat the their entire sentence. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> Still a pet peeve. <laughs> it's weird with phone sex, though. <laughs> so you so put what where? Okay. <laughs> so your hand is there. Okay. You want to do what to my? It's all in the brain. I think if phone sex existed between JFK and Marilyn Monroe, it would have gone a little something like this. Yeah, you, you, you say you're going to do what to me? <laughs> he didn't do impressions. That, no, that, but he that always insulting. does that, um, like, 
the Chicago act, he makes the Chicago accent even more emphasized. That's true with every. And he kind of like makes his voice a little higher. <laughs> yeah, somehow turns everybody middle America. Yeah, works so well. But he, but to know that that's funny that's makes him funny. sophisticated. Someone from England talking mm -hmm. to Sir Walter Raleigh on a phone <laughs> with a sh Chicago accent. It's just I don't know. Totally irreverent. You're right. <laughs> oh, it's good. All right. Well, that's already the half. Waypoint of the album, so we got to flip it over. So as we flip this album over, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break, have a little urination time, yeah, and uh, we'll be back with you in just a moment. I love me, I love me, I love myself to death. I love me, I love me till I'm all out of breath. I stop at every slot machine that I should chance to pass and give myself a hug and squeeze. Alright, we're back. Thanks for joining us again, even though you didn't experience the, uh, the gap. Um, Dan, have you ever experienced the gap? I have a jacket from the gap. You have a jacket from the gap? No, wait, no, that's from Old Navy. Old Navy. Well then, I'm a liar. I've you're never, useless. I've never experienced the gap. So when I listen to you guys' podcast, uh -huh. I, I actually pause at mm. that point. Just to go to bathroom. To feel like you're there. feel like there. I'm a part of it. And now you're... You're, you're part I of it. I am a part of it. I went pee, just like I do, but it feels special now. Good. I'm glad that somebody does. That's very nice. I seem to have a very, uh, it's a, I shouldn't be afraid of the gap, but I'm very intimidated by the gap. Are you? When I'm I was, back on this. When I was little, I, <laughs> my family couldn't afford gap clothes, so it was mm -hmm. like, when I went to the mall, it was like, we don't go in that store. And so it's it's translated <laughs> still to my life now. I go in the gap, but it's like, it's not like out of my range, but I'm just like, no, I can't. When you go to England, me. you can't ride the subway because you no. get freaked the fuck out. You're like, no. Is that what happens? I feel bad. You should. I like they the don't serve your kind there. I know. Banana Republic. We've them from outside. I'm, I'm fine, Banana Republic, because I didn't have one in my mall when right. I was growing up. Right. So that right. one's fine. What about Baby Gap? <laughs> I don't have any kids, though. Right, but if you did, and? let's say. So you feel more comfortable there? I would probably be okay with Baby Gap. You I sure? Would, yeah. You wouldn't intimidate your kids from going there? No, because Gap is like so open. You ever notice right. it's like open? There's like why it's called four Gap. shirts in the whole place. That and is you why see them ten Gap. times as you walk through. Right. It's like by the fourth time you see it, it's like, I do like that shirt. They, yeah. They've convinced me now yeah. that I enjoy it. Even though shirt. Terry Cloth wasn't your thing when you walked <laughs> in. You're just like, <laughs> you know what? The Gap doesn't really bother me. It's like going into like Forever 21 or H&M. It always feel like a somebody's going to come over to me and say, I'm sorry, I think you're in the wrong store. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't have any closure size. <laughs> I always feel really ashamed being in there. That's sad. But I'm laughing and anyway. I, and <laughs> I have formulated, since college, I have formulated a rope answer. If anyone ever does come up to me, mm -hmm. I'll say I'm buying for a friend. <laughs> oh. Oh. Aries sadness. That's, this is a new podcast. That is its own podcast. Oh yeah. So so far we've gone to deep places on both podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Some real. Wow. This is amazing. Um, what is it for a comedy places. podcast? Yeah. Right. Um, the back of this record is not that interesting. No, not at all. I read it. It's kind of boring. The guy's trying to be funny. Like when people try and write about comedy and they try and be funny, it just doesn't usually work. Wait, who wrote the Social Network? Uh, Aaron Sorkin. Okay, so not Dan. Not Sorkin. Dan Sorkin. Not Dan Sorkin. No, this man who's very. I was like, whoa. <laughs> That would have been a completely different... In fact, this is what all he submitted. Jacket liner would have been completely different. In 1960, Bob Newman podcast. And then you hear ding, ding, ding. Oh. Then there would have been a bunch of lies in there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, who would have played him, though? Who plays Bob Newhart in the, in the, in the movie? Oh, God. Uh, I mean, I guess we could just go to Jesse Eisenberg's twin, uh, uh, Michael Sarah. <laughs> yeah. No. And, uh, no? I think he'd be a good too... one. He would. Um, uh, 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 hey, hey, hey Wilbur. Um, um. <laughs> but he would need somebody, because even though he's nebbish and stammery, yeah. he's still got this self-possessed... I think, well, I don't know. It's kind of like Jesse Eisenberg. He's this kid who does you know, improv at UCB. He does Ask Cat every Sunday night named Chad Carter. Mm -hmm. And he would make an amazing Bob Newhart. Chad, if you're ever going to listen to this, you'd make a great Bob Newhart. Keep that in mind. 
Yes. And we're casting this right now. Amazing. Right now, only Mr. Internet. <laughs> yeah, only Mr. Internet. Uh, but we've written the script. Yes. Uh, we're writing it right now. Writing it right now. Uh, um, what was it? Is the it Bob Newhart be, script? Yeah. Is it gonna be based on his life, or we're gonna do Aaron Sorkin it? Are we gonna? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, think I think we're gonna base it on Aaron Sorkin's life. It should be like. <laughs> Bob Newhart. <laughs> Bob Newhart as Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> All right. Are you gonna lie? Lie big. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where to go with that at all. I think about now is the time to start the next one. All right, yeah. Next, the next album. <laughs> this begins with the Khrushchev landing rehearsal. This one's particularly good, and I don't think anybody here uh, is yeah. familiar with it. This is called a, a headset, and it's used by um, telephone operators, but it's also used by uh, TV directors. And through it, they talk to their crew, and they also listen to the crew. Now, in a TV studio, they have a series of TV cameras, which the director watches. They also have what's known as a camera run-through. And this is where uh, they kind of walk through what they're going to do and iron the bugs out. Now, this was especially true of the Khrushchev landing. A lot of people don't know that Khrushchev landed a day ahead of time. <laughs> and he kind of walked through what he was going to do so that they could set the cameras. And if you had been in the control room, you would have heard something like this. All right, Jerry, cue the plane. All right, have a plane come down. That's, that's the way. All right, have a plane land. All right, taxi. All right, Jerry, have him stop on the chalk marks if you can. All right, he's going, that's all right, he's going past it. It's all right. All right, camera one. Get in tight I want to I I see a plane try to land on chalk marks. No, after listening to that first side and realizing he doesn't ever ha- have, and this is, again, is one thing that, about comedy that I like, especially like Monty Python, the more I think about it. There's no needed, he doesn't have a punchline at the end. He's like, okay, you, you do that and get back to me. That's usually how he ends it. There's no punchline. Exactly. It's not like, it doesn't need to be like, I, it doesn't need to be a punchline for what he's doing. The, the act itself is what it is. It's about the journey, not the destination. Ooh, thank you, dude. It's like, it's almost as if he's pitching this as a sketch. Yeah, definitely. It's like, he's like, he's like okay, guys, this is going to be a funny sketch. You know how this happens? And then this happens, and this happens. Well, this is why it's funny. And then he He's like, now these are the things that we could say in the sketch. And it doesn't have to be like, as you said, like there's no punchline because it's like, all right, if you were in a writer's room, people could take this for the next week and then they would find the punchline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that that, that kind of just goes back to the fact that he was just telling these jokes at parties. You don't need a, 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 a punchline for those kinds of jokes because it's just... Do your do your thing, and then just he does it, and everyone starts laughing, blah blah. And then it's you know he doesn't need to finish because everyone starts drinking and talking yeah. among themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. But he's also got a good time limit. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're not gonna have a punchline, then you should have a time limit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what each side of this is what 22 minutes or so. So I mean, he's he's getting eight minutes out of this, which most people wouldn't be able to do now uh, without it hitting it over the head every time. He finds. Right. Yeah, thank you. But, like, he finds the... I hate, I'm not going to say finds the funny. I hate when people say that shit. He finds I've never heard anyone say that. So you've never heard that? Be, the funny. Whenever I hear that, say I would be funny. like, Jason says that. No! No! Aerie is a bitch. That is all everybody needs to know. God damn it. That just comes from him performing it, though. It's like, yeah. you you learn where the jokes are. Even when it's not funny, you learn where... Oh, there, there it is. There's the laugh. I didn't know that that was funny in my head when I wrote that. Right. And then he finds it and he knows where it is. But the idea that he could do this bit right now, I'm sure he had a little practice, but he did not have practice in front of people. No. That That this works so solidly, fucking on take one... I don't know what that means except for like uh, there's a reason it, it shot that quickly up the charts. It just, I, I don't know. How, a phenomenon like that doesn't happen that often except for like now he was the Justin Bieber of his day is what I'm trying to say. Well, I think the thing is is that like he, a lot of what he talks about. <laughs> is he Canadian? No, thank Christ. Thank Christ. No. Chicago's kind of close. It's really a little bleed through. But like a lot of what he talks about tends to have some sort of marketing or PR kind of influence on it. Sure. Yeah. Which, you know, especially at, at that time, that's when they started becoming like the, the, the big thing. He's more the Jonathan Colton of his day. Yeah. yeah. Jonathan Colton, his whole thing is he started in 
you know, he was a, a club monkey. Yep. He hated it. Yep. And he hated bureaucracy. He hates all that. And so it's like he was able to tap into what we all hate. Yeah. That's exactly where I was going with that. It's like oh, he's. Sorry. You know, I'm just saying it's good. That's fight, fight. There are a couple. Fight, fight. Um, but just like people were starting to see how, you know, everything was starting to get overbranded. And over, you know, marketed, and just like nothing is natural or, or normal anymore, except for apparently this album. Sure, yeah. sure. But, um, and so I think he was tapping into that, and, and I think it's just really interesting that he can do that so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When well, you know he's, he was an accountant, you yeah. know. It's <laughs> funny though when you say that because like they're kind of nostalgic for the good old days. And we're saying here, kind of nostalgic for the good old days, days. Yep. <laughs> back then. When marketing was just being born. Yes. Boy, how I miss those days. <laughs> when a Man. cigarette was still just a cigarette. And it was on TV. Ah. <laughs> Who can't change all that? Yeah. And the marketing guy's like, all right, here we go. <laughs> we're going to put it right in the face. They're going to have a choice. They're going to see it all the time. <laughs> Justin Bieber. Oh. I shouldn't have brought up Justin Bieber. I apologize. Yeah. Bob Newhart. Who is totally listening to this? I don't right know. Thirteen-year-old <laughs> girls are kind of our target demographic. So. That is true. They're your target demographic. Oh, oh. really? Really? I get that kind of reaction. It's because I'm not Bob Newhart. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, people. Uh, the next one is I can't read sideways. Uh, driving oh, driving instructor. instructor. This Yay. one. This one is is about a, a woman driver. That's right. That's <laughs> what it's about. <laughs> well, it's about driving instructor. There is a woman. Um. As I said, there was a thing in the paper tonight about documentaries. And I've had an idea for a long time for what I think is a wonderful documentary, which has everything. For instance, you go to work, you come home at night, and you never really think about it. It's mechanical, it's routine. But there are a group of men who every day, when they go to work, never know if that night they'll return, because they face death in a hundred different ways. And I'm talking about America's driving instructors. <laughs> and I'd like to present the first episode in the new TV series called The Driving Instructor. Now, I'd like to have you a picture, if you would. This is a car. I'm the driving instructor. And seated next to me is a woman driver. How do you, how do? You do? Uh, you're, you're Mrs. Uh, Webb, is that right? Uh, oh, I see you've had one lesson already. Uh, who is the instructor on that, Mrs. Webb? Mis- Mr. Adam. I- I'm sorry, here it is, Mr. Adams. Uh, just let me read ahead and kind of familiarize myself with, with the case. Um, how fast were you going when Mr. Adams jumped from the car? <laughs> 75? You could possibly sell this show. Yeah, yeah they, I'm surprised they haven't yet. <laughs> yeah, put her in a bikini. Yep. <laughs> so she can drive covered in grease. Because <laughs> I, I can totally see that being, you know, the Beverly Hills driving instructors uh-huh. with all the girls on there you know, texting. And yep. <laughs> it's just weird to hear him talking about TV documentaries. He's obviously talking about what are now termed reality shows, and you don't think about how much like documentary stuff was happening then, like uh, you know Alan Funt's uh, stuff, Candid Camera. And all that crap, yeah. but then like they must have been doing much more that we don't see now because it never survived tape or film. But it's probably very similar. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I don't know. You don't think of it that way. So I'm, I feel uh, undereducated. Well, you are. So sorry. Uh, I think it's interesting uh, a marked difference between his comedy and comedy now mm-hmm. is that he is always being somebody else. Right. Like it's not. Oh, my mom said this, or you know, my girlfriend does this, or something. Right. It's he's not him. And it go- I was thinking about this because you were talking about. <laughs> like I, I don't remember what I said, but you said, "Oh, I'm reading the Smothers Brothers book, and it has a lot about Bob Newhart." Right. And it's funny because Bob Newhart's book has a lot about other comedians. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like when I went and when I met Carl Reiner, he only wanted to talk about Smothers Brothers. That's so funny. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, comedians, they uh, there's that old, um, not adage or anything, but they say that they. You know, poach other comedians' jokes. Sure. It's not so much that, it's they poach each other's stories. 
and they're like, this is hilarious, because they appreciate other people's stories, right. and, you know, they want to get them out there or something, well, uh, but, um, yeah. There's a couple comedians out there, stand-ups now, Nick Kroll is one of them, he, uh, who does, do you know Nick Kroll at all? Uh-huh. Yeah, he does, he's a character-based guy, but his is more... Not, not like Newhart didn't. Newhart didn't encapsulate characters like you were saying. He didn't like do voices and stuff like that. But, but Nick Kroll and some of these guys are doing the voices, and they're actually going off where their stand-up is is completely character-based. It's not I'm standing up and telling jokes at you. It's this yeah. is the character and this is the situation. And imagine this, and like, which is funny. It's a different way. It, it's you know, it's making like a sketch type of stuff. Yeah, it's a more active way of exactly. doing observational humor. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. in a totally different way that isn't just doesn't it doesn't get belabored by your character. So he's not like it's not right. He's not. It's not fifty minutes of Bob Newhart observing shit. It's fifty minutes of Bob Newhart as this character observing shit and what six different characters doing the same thing. It's not all, I guess, entirely observational, the Khrushchev thing, but I mean, it's timely at the time, so, mm-hmm. yeah. I think if I ever did stand-up, I'd have to, I, I could do it this way a lot easier. Coming from, like, acting musical theater background, it'd be easier to, like, if I have a character yeah. that's written out, I'm performing the character. Sure. If you don't laugh, you're not laughing. You're right. right. That's true. I mean, there are plenty of, like, dead spaces in here because, A, these people have no idea who this guy is. And B, the setups are just that. They're just setups. And, like, you maybe can't see the potential in all of them at first. Like, the Wright brothers, okay. Well, the Wright brothers, but this. Yeah, you, when at first you're not really sure where he's going to go with some things. But by the time, you know, he reaches the end, it's just like, this guy's ridiculous. It's so random. Oh, fuck. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, I don't say that. <laughs> He looks really young on this cover. That's because he, I is. he was. He looks a little bit like being Crosby. He's right out of the army. He's got the buzz haircut cut and everything. Still. That is so fucking funny. Uh, we don't have Wikipedia in front of us, so I don't know what he did after this. I don't know like, like how stand-up led to... Well, I know how stand-up leads to TV shows. I get that. But, like, he must have been doing a lot of, a lot of uh, variety shows since those were probably the thing to do. Unless he had other shows we don't know about. Because, I mean, what? Betty White had a show back in the 50s nobody talks about. Yeah. And uh, even the Smothers Brothers, they had a, they had a pilot. Betty White they had, had a show. What? You haven't yeah. seen those? No. Naked pictures. Betty White was hot when she was young. Yeah. All right, I need to find these. She I'm was. sorry. I have a thing <laughs> for old women. Um, no, but because um, the Smothers Brothers, they had a show before the the show show. They had a pilot, a, a sitcom where Tom was an angel. Really? <laughs> Tom was an angel, and he came down and helped Dickie through his life. And, yeah, I want to see it, but they hated it with a passion, and they thought it was the worst use of, of them as actors, so that's... They finally got, they worked it into doing their own reality, or reality show. Do you think he, he writes his own tweets? Bob Newhart? Does he tweet? He does? I hope so. I need to follow him now. Um, just, it's all, alright, no, it's all dates. Where he's performing. Oh, okay. Oh. Then no. Then, I'm going to say no, probably not. What's <laughs> a really hilariously written date? This is a great one from is a month ago. Performing? Don't forget to watch NCIS Season 8, Episode 11, titled Chips in the Night, which airs on Tuesday, January 11th at 8 p.m. on CBS. <laughs> <laughs> great tweet. He has a not lost it. <laughs> yes, not one bit. <laughs> Was he on NCIS? Because there's like 10 NCIS. I guess so. Okay. That's really weird this to me. Just finished shooting NCIS. Details to come. I wonder if he was on NCIS. I don't know. <laughs> Bob Newhart to appear on NCIS. Oh. 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 There was a murderer. I would think it would go. A little yeah. something. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> well, at, least, at least they're not like crazy funny tweets that... I mean, he, he's plugging himself, which is great. Sure. Yeah. You don't uh, know actually, like, it's oh. probably his marketing <laughs> PR firm. Yeah, yeah exactly. Ironically <laughs> enough. That's okay. That's the reason that's for Twitter. <laughs> then, okay? that's, I don't... That's all he I just does didn't want to see like really funny like Bobby like, Baby. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if my PR firm calls me, <laughs> something like that, and then he just plays a voiceman. <laughs> that's that's his new act. That's what he does. He's just like he's discovered voicemail, and he's like, "Fuck it." That's what he puts up against the mic the whole time for forty-five minutes. Oh, people clap. People are clapping. Yeah, it's the end of that. One. So, uh, what did you guys think of that one that we didn't listen to? You've heard it before, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's hilarious. Women can't drive. I know that's not the point. But women can't drive. Let's face it. 
right? Am I right, fellas? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Accidents. Right, Ariana? <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, they'll say that after you storm off. <laughs> <laughs> I left. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So, uh, yeah. Bob Newhart's awesome. There's one more. There's one more track to this, but um, I don't know that one. You don't know it. Uh, nobody will ever play baseball. Well, that that tells you right what's gonna happen. I mean, I don't know who's pitching it, but I'm hoping it's Abner Doubleday. I'll pitch it, but I'm cheating. Ah. Well, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's do this. Maybe it'll have a little. Uh, maybe there's some uh, Cooperstown relevance. Hey, Cooperstown. Because Dan and I are from near Cooperstown. <laughs> That's the name of the town. Near, near Cooperstown. Cooperstown adjacent. I got thinking about baseball and how games are marketed today. You know, you go to a game manufacturer and they figure everything out and decide whether the game is right for the public or not, and then they market it. And it got me to thinking, supposing Abner Doubleday had called one of the game manufacturers with this new invention of his called baseball. Now, I think a phone conversation would have taken place something like this. Hello, Olympic Games. What, what can I do for you, Mr. Double A? You, you, you've got a game. Uh, how many couples? Uh, eight, 18 people? That's a, that's a hell of a lot of people. Well, the ideal game is, I mean, uh, two, three couples, you know, uh, come over to the house, they get a little smashed, and uh, you, know, you can't play it in the house either. See, you, you got two things uh, right there against you. See. All right, all right, tell, tell, tell me about it. All right, you, you, got, you got nine guys on each side. Yeah. And you got baseball. That's your comment, Dan? Oh, yeah, oh, baseball. Oh, baseball. <laughs> Baseball's boring. It is boring. So he calls up THQ and he says, baseball. <laughs> it takes 18 people. So it's online. <laughs> um, is it just me or like uh, Bob New or no Bill Cosby did the invention of basketball that's and then, true didn't Andy Griffith do the invention of football yeah do you think that was like they were doing rock paper scissors to see who gets to do what sports it's so ended up with hockey it's a requirement <laughs> Some, some but does that Justin that Bieber ended up with hockey. That's, yeah. that's the ones that they enjoyed. <laughs> we know which um, sports which comedians enjoyed. Gilbert yeah. Gottfried did uh, curling. <laughs> Show dance is rock! <laughs> that's all I got. That's all it was. That's all it was. <laughs> and then he left the stage. And everybody was angry for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. I was like, screw you guys! Is that what he said? Yeah. Oh. I was Iago! <laughs> I'm Shakespeare in Aladdin. That's his claim to fame now? That's his claim to fame. Oh, that's really sad. He's probably the only other person listening to the podcast. He's like, screw these guys, I'm not listening anymore. You gotta give him credit though. He never, he doesn't, whenever he's doing stand-up, he doesn't wait until he's fat. Yeah. The first one making the joke. Yes, he was. He always does, and now that's his thing. Whenever there's yeah. a big tragedy and stuff, he's like, I'm gonna be the first one. <laughs> or a little tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> he goes for those. So somebody's like toddler dies in a small town. He read about it in a paper. <laughs> Did you hear about this stupid little three-year-old whore? She died. It was hilarious. What a bastard. Gilbert Gottfried, if you're listening, I hate you. Oh, that's not. <laughs> unless you want to come be a guest on our podcast. Yeah, unless you want to be a guest, the album's over already. Wow. We were no. so busy making fun of Gilbert Gottfried, we didn't get to hear him talk about baseball. Who, Gilbert Gottfried? No. Bob Newhart. Oh. Newhart? Yeah. Well, that was a shorter one. That's a, yeah, it is a lot shorter. Um, final thoughts on the album, kids, and, and why people should listen to Bob Newhart. Because he's amazing. For history. Yeah, it's almost like a history lesson because he does explain certain aspects that hopefully you would then go and research the actual information later. Yeah, if you didn't, yeah, if you didn't already have an idea, because you, you do need a, a cursory uh, knowledge of everything he's talking about to understand why it's funny. If you don't understand the basics of the Wright brothers and understand there weren't uh, toilets on those first planes, it's not going to be funny. And then, boys and girls, if you don't want to go educate yourself, yeah, right. you can well, listen to him because it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. That's exactly true. 
But some I think people, that's what they listen to. Is that why they listen for. to humor? Sometimes. Yeah. yeah Not Dan sometimes. though. No. Dan, Dan does it for the sake of education. He doesn't. He can't read like normally. Mm-hmm. He can't read unless he listens to a comedy album first. All the facts that I get too come from comedy. Is that true? I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What have you learned because of that? Um, well, Dane Cook's taught me a lot about religion. So. Has he? <laughs> yeah. uh, that there is no God. That's what he's taught me. Hits album out. Like the greatest. This is the greatest hit Dane Cook album. Fuck. It was on the new release section. I'm like, oh my god. Well, he invented the super finger. Mike, so that's <laughs> funny. That's a joke. He did. It's one middle. It's a middle finger with an extra finger. See, and that's it means fuck you more. Right. That's oh his thing. God. There are stickers that's that. Oh God, I could go for an hour on how much I. Let's not no. concentrate on how much we hate well, him. But he'll sell a lot of copies, and you'll still never meet anyone who admits they like him. Right. It's amazing. <laughs> well, I know plenty of people who say that they like him. He's a bag. And it makes me feel weird that they do. Well, like I'm curious. About, because, okay, this woman who worked at my, who was at my work, my boss is a comedian, and she does stand-up, and this chick who was always brown-nosing, but anyway, she's gone now. She died. (laughs) (laughs) She was making a point about how she hates Ellen. Just Uh hates her, because she doesn't push the envelope, because she's too PC. Uh Uh-huh. Which I don't really agree with. Uh, Did she see the whole lesbian thing in the 90s? (laughs) Right? (laughs) But I think there's a line between clean humor and just too, like, too PC or, like, sure. not trying to make a point. And it's like, you know, I'm a big fan. I mean, Eddie Izzard swears a lot, but sure. he's pretty clean. Yeah. And Ellen, um, Bill Cosby, Bob Newhart. Uh-huh. And it's like, I don't... There, We watched some, you know, Comedy Central Presents and stuff just to see who's out there now. And a lot of them just aren't funny when they're just going for the gross out. Or, right. Like, and, because you and I have had conversations in the past about what is comedy. And right. Whether or not there's, like, a order of comedy, if everything, this is funny. Right. And if you don't think this is funny, or if you're laughing at, like, Adam Sandler mm-hmm. stupid movies or something, yeah. then you don't know what humor is. And right. So it's just, I don't know. I think... For me, clean hu- clean humor is just where it's going. She can't see your hair Yeah, I, I it was in my voice. Air <laughs> push. Clean push. humor. Um. <laughs> She's still not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, uh, is more tapping into what everybody experiences. Whether oh, yeah. I mean, it's not just like well, white people walk like this and. For the record, they do walk like that. Well, we do. Like ducks. All over. That's why it's funny, because we do. <laughs> that taps into my shared experience. <laughs> but, I don't know. Like, I feel like Bob Newhart... Uh, we all, uh, also walks like, like a duck. He does, because he's white. Yeah. Like, he was making fun of women in the uh-huh. last one, but sure. he was also just making fun of this woman. Right. And it's right. like, uh, yeah, I, don't. I feel like everyone can kind of identify with, oh, marketing is changing. And, sure. I know. think you can also mark, you can identify with how he writes his jokes, because it's like, this is how people talk when we're having a discussion. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine if somebody was actually trying to pitch this to something, <laughs> yeah. and this is what the conversation comes up, and then right. he just talks because he's a very very funny person so it just comes out the genius is that somehow works with just the one side of the conversation mm-hmm. he doesn't have to do two sides of his yeah. mouth and that's, that's I think that works better because mm-hmm. uh, like I mean we didn't hear very much of the um, cod 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 ship codfish yeah USS codfish yeah where you know it talks about <laughs> I just love when he's saying like you know we're coming to the end of our trip and I'd really like the first lieutenant back no, guys, it was funny, but you know, he's like, <laughs> I just love that because it's like, oh, I forgot that. That's that. So I've heard yeah, that one too. Yeah, the summary. Yeah, and and uh, okay. I just like that. It's because it you can picture, like I said, the imagination where you can picture all the you know naval officers just sitting there, yeah, not <laughs> helping at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean the image. Of, if he went to he everybody, that when it. Yeah, it wouldn't work as well. No, no, that would be really, really tedious, really tedious. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you don't have—he doesn't have to do voices. He's just, you know, doing that one character. He is like Sam in Quantum Leap. 
<laughs> Comedy on vinyl. Uh, <laughs> I'm your host, Jason Klom. With me, uh, I was going to say, as always, is Dan Go Miller, but uh, Dan Go Miller's here. Next week. <laughs> <laughs> Ari Jarvis is our first time, not last time, contributor. And uh, obviously, Mike Warden is our producer, recorder, and contributor with a hoarse voice. Uh, everybody have a uh, fantastic whatever day this is, and I apologize deeply. Comedy on Vinyl is recorded at Fort Awesome Studios in Burbank, California. Follow us on Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl. And follow us on Facebook, or like us, at goo.gl forward slash capital V, capital S, M, F, Z, as in zinc. My arm around my waist, if me get fresh, I slap my face, I'm wild about myself.